Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. Okay, guys, I want to give a little introduction before this week's podcast, because I met with one of my badass clients, Janae Young, and we covered the gamut. And I really want you guys to sit back and listen. Like she drops nugget after nugget that I had to just finally stop interrupting her. But I literally want you to hear the mindset principles that she uses, like how she made decisions and like, where are you not doing this? And how is she thinking differently than you are? And we just go into all things high achieving Black women and why doing this work in a community setting is so important. She gives us a great background of how she started. She literally started her business when she was 15 years old. She's 21 and making $250,000 while attending Stanford University. Like, this is someone you want to listen to. Every time I do a value of coaching one, I'm like, oh, this is so good. And this one is the same. It speaks to the quality of the container. They're just amazing. I want a, a word of caution. It's long and it's worth it. At the end, we get to like why she resigned, why doing this work. And then she goes into how this is impacting her business and what she's doing. It's so good. And we even get to like why having someone from 73 all the way to her 21 in the same container as Black women is the best thing and how it's working. And I just love everything about this interview. So without further ado, We're going to get started on this podcast interview. Hey guys, how y'all doing? I think that's just going to be my introduction now. It's just because I can't think of anything else other than I guess my Texas is coming in. Like, how y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I have another value of coaching spotlight client and I'm excited as always, but I'm excited. I almost want to say like each one is like, oh, this one's going to be amazing. And I think they all are. That speaks to the quality of the room and the quality of my clients. But I have Miss Janae Young here and she's looking all beautiful. We'll probably put clips of this also on Instagram. So if you follow me, you'll see some clips. But introduce yourself. Tell them who you are, (laughs) what you do. Hello, my name is Janae Young. I am a college admissions coach. So I work with high school students, 9 through 12, to navigate the college application process, raise their SAT and ACT scores, reach their top schools, and win hundreds of thousands in scholarships. And I've been doing this work since 2016, so for over six years, way back when I started my company at 15 in Wilmington, North Carolina, and now I have been blessed to help students around the world. And I do so now through my group program, Ivy League Score, and my one-on-one coaching clients. 
So and good. But wait a minute. Like, slow that down. Like, <laughs> y'all, she's just saying it like... <laughs> Did y'all hear that she said she's been doing this for six years? Six years. And she started when she was 15. Yes. And now she has a business that is international success rate of getting people into Ivy League schools a hundred a thousand dollars worth of scholarships. What's the company called now? My company, I still kept my original name. So mm-hmm. we can go into the story of the name. But basically when I was 15, I, I would always this. bother my so I have one older sister and she would always kind of be on the phone with like a guy she was talking to at the time and our rooms are connected by our bathroom. And so I would just always bother her at night, like go in and try to like sneak in on their conversation. And when I decided I wanted to start tutoring, I just was like, oh, the way businesses work is they have business cards. So I went on Vistaprint and I was trying to figure out a business name. And the guy she was talking to at the time was like, well, why don't you do like a spin on your name, like Janae Plus, where the second A in your name is like an A plus and it's Janae Plus tutoring. And I said, okay, that sounds kind of clever. And I went with it and I just did it, which is a lesson in entrepreneurship to just get moving. And I kept the name. I've always kept the name to pay respect to that 15-year-old version of myself who just had the audacity to start. But now we primarily focus on SAT, ACT tutoring and college admissions work through my group program and my one-on-one students. And aside from being a full-time entrepreneur and coach, I'm also a senior at Stanford University studying management science and engineering with a minor in education from the Graduate School of Education. So I love all things education, entrepreneurship, and Black Girl Magic. I love this. You just speak of it like it's just no big deal. And like, (laughs) just get moving. And I had the audacity to start at 15. What do you think helped you to just start? Like it really, now that you're older, like you're a big 21 now. (laughs) Big 21. You're a big 21. I think I actually like did our drink together with you, right? Yes. For everyone listening, Brick brought me my first drink, took me out for my 21st birthday, made sure I took my shot. (laughs) We went about our day. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, That's a really valid question because that's the reason I love working with young people is because I think there is a certain level or they're just getting to the point of their dreams and those dreams not being deterred by like what society tells us we can do or what we should be. And so I think at 15, I was very much in that spot where I was like, oh, I'm going to own a million dollar business by the time I'm 25. And I just decided that. Mm. And looking back, I think there were a few factors for sure. My older sister got into Princeton the year before. And so when I was starting as a sophomore in high school, I was really thinking about college admissions and just like kind of making own path for myself as I'd always been in her shoes. And so the summer before, I think I read Girl Boss, which is written by the founder of Nasty Gal, which is a fashion company. And I read it and I was also young. So I like couldn't have a job for another year. So I was like, I can't just work at like Chick-fil-A, which is like the standard high school job. And... That summer, I was volunteering at the hospital and 
I was in the labor and delivery unit. And I thought I was just going to be helping women and their babies all day. Turns out babies are not born as fast as I thought. (laughs) So we most of the time just sat there. And the girl I was volunteering with was like, well, haven't you ever had a job? This is exactly what it's like. And I was like, what? (laughs) She was like, you know, you just sit there. Most of the shift. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do that. (laughs) I was like, I need something where I'm doing something new all the time. And I always was kind of that teacher's pet who was like buzzing around the classroom. I loved explaining things to students as soon as I got it. And I was just like, always that person that loved teaching. So I was like, why don't I give tutoring a try? And that first year when I was just like trying things out, when I said things like, I'm going to have a business, no one ever said to me like, that's crazy. Mm. And I have so much respect for my parents now in just like holding space for that 15-year-old version of myself to just be like, I'm going to build a million-dollar company and I'm going to figure it out. And then not look at me and be like, "Mm, you know, that's unreasonable. Or like, you should really just focus on your classes right now. You shouldn't take on too much. And they for sure were like, okay, like, let's see where this goes. Always make sure your books are good to go. Mm -hmm. But they never crushed my dreams. And so looking back six years later, I think there were like a mix of factors. And I also know this is just like my God-given work, like for sure, unless there's no way I would have made it this far. I'm also like, this is just what I was meant to be doing. It's so fun. Like, I don't know if you guys are listening, but I'm listening to the power sentences that she's saying. And so I just want to slow it down because if we don't pay attention to it, She's saying some very powerful stuff. It's like, first of all, she talked about the power of a decision. And she's just like, I'm going to have a million dollar business by the time I'm 25. Like she just decided that. Not there is something in me that shows me that I can do that. There were no receipts. You like, Mm -hmm. you literally had no receipts that can tell you, like you hadn't even had a job yet. So there was nothing in your past, in your future that told you you could do it. You just pulled something out the air and said, I think I'm going to do this. And you decided. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I was just going to say, <laughs> to speak to how, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. <laughs> to speak to, like, neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. Sometimes people would be like, oh, well, your parents helped you or, like, they funded you or they were really pulling the strings. I'm like, nope, my parents were not entrepreneurs. And to speak to that, my first tutoring session, I charged between $10 to $12 an hour. Like, that's the offer I made someone. They're like, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, pick one. Pick 10, 11, or 12. Pick one. (laughs) I love it, right? But it goes back to what you said. Like, you just get moving. So many of my clients or so many people that are listening, it's like, we want to have all the steps laid out. Just notice, she said the power of decision, I'm going to have a $1 million business by the time I'm 25 at 15. She didn't even know what the business was. You hadn't decided it's going to be tutoring yet, had you? Mm, Nope. Right? It's not like, oh, I'm doing well in this tutor. Now I'm going to make this a million. But it's like you had no evidence nowhere. No evidence. I love that. And when we tell people to do that, it's like, I'm telling people all the time, it's like, how much do you want to make? And they're like, I don't want to say it until I have the belief or I have all the checks in mark that I know how it's going to happen, what's going to happen. But your successful strategy was just going to make a decision. Yeah. And I remember I knew I didn't know how it was going to happen. 
the only thing that I needed to start was I was just like, I'm going to figure it out. Yes. And I'm never going to stop until I figure it out. And the last six years I've failed. Like most people, I think now, or at least I'm seeing, you can maybe hire a business coach or you can like see stuff. But like when I was 15 or you can take out a business loan, like I didn't have any of that. Yeah. Like I couldn't take out a loan. I wasn't 18. I couldn't hire a coach. I had no money. I was just like doing and trying things. So I failed so many times. And every single time I was just like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I'll just get it one day. Cause I had the self-concept that I would. And so I think that was the thing that got me moving and kept me moving. Yeah. The thing that got you moving is what I'm not supposed to have it. Like you didn't have a thought, like I'm supposed to have it figured out or I need to be responsible and have it all. Like one of the beauties was as you was 15, it's like you can pull something out the air. We think we have to stop doing that and be responsible when we like have a job and everything. It's like, no, actually it's the same thing. You pull shit out of your air and it doesn't sound right to anybody. Not even you. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. You claimed your authority in order to create. Yes, absolutely. And there was evidence to the contrary the entire time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my first client, I still remember it was outside New Hanover High School, Wilmington, North Carolina. I was tutoring on a park bench out next to the garbage can mm-hmm. next to cheer practice after school. And we did one session on trigonometry. And after that, she quit. (laughs) Right? Like everything, like I still had to build my craft and mastery in coaching and teaching. I didn't know how to run a business, but I was just like, I'm going to figure it out. Every step of the way, I'm going to figure it out. And that's the power of mindset. That's why I always say mindset is 80%. 20% is the strategy, but mindset is it. Because when your client quits, or when you're here, when you don't know, all of it, when you fail and fail and fail again, if your mindset is, I'm going to figure this out, like you decided this was my God-given thing, I think God blesses whatever we want to do. Yeah. I don't think it's as narrow as we make it. I think it's like, <laughs> I think she has enough to like be able to like, oh, you want to do that? No worries, because this one wants to do this can maneuver it all. Like, I just think it's our decision to be like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. She's like, yep, go do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I could see very clearly throughout my journey how much mindset was crucial Mm. because those first few years are not pretty of entrepreneurship always. I mean, I had people say to my fate, because like I was doing this in high school. And so like, Honestly, not. I'm not even going to say that in adulthood, people are kinder because people still tell you to your face you're going to fail then. But I would remember, like in school, I would go up and like I'd do these little presentations in front of classes to try to get tutoring clients. And I'd like give out my number, for example, and I'd be like flooded with hate messages. People would send me naked pictures, people would send me curse words, just like all of that. Or I, a white male peer at the time, told me to my face, he was like, You're going to fail. This is not going to be successful. And then I had an employee at the time that I'd hired also tell me, I was like telling her my dream. I was like, I'm going to have a tutoring company and I'm going to have students from around the world and they're going to be able to connect with people who look like them and understand them. And she was like, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. And I was like, okay. 
I did a podcast <laughs> not too long ago with like, don't get attached to sentences in other people's brains. Yeah. Like, how did you not get attached to other people's sentences in their brains? Yes. And I think this is important to say, like, it hurts. Like it hurt throughout the entire time. I was just like, oh my gosh, these people don't believe in me. Like I did all of my crying in the bathroom and my car rides home. Like that was my time where I would just let it out. But I think that for me, I knew who I was and I decided who I was and like what I was capable of. Mm -hmm. And it was okay if their thoughts didn't reflect it because I was like, they don't know. And I was also like, what I'm doing is audacious. I didn't even end up really telling most people that I'm going to build a million dollar business. Like I kept it to myself and I knew what I was capable of. And then now I'm at a quarter of a million dollars. Now people are like, oh, well, what was that? Right? This is actually going to be a thing. But I just always knew where I was going. Yeah. I think that was it. And I was like, I'm not going to let other people's opinions of me stop me from my purpose. That was a huge thing for me. I was, and still is because people still have OPOs, always a thing. But it's finding that place, I think, where you feel compelled and also having a support system that has your back. Like I still knew that there were people who believed in me as well. Other OPOs, other people's opinions, right? We talk about this in Deeply Rooted. Janae is also in Deeply Rooted. She actually resigned. So this is her second round. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But your ability to put the, I call it put the blinders on and like stay focused and protecting my mindset. Like other people's opinion, saving for a couple of people who are really close to me, most people, I just allow them to have their opinion because I know they're not in my head. They're looking at the failures. They're looking at the outside, but I'm paying attention to the thought work that I'm doing on the inside. Like, how am I treating myself? What am I saying? Like, okay, you fail. If I'm doing my work in my head, like, okay, I'm journaling on this. I'm working on this. I know I'm progressing. It's like, okay, that didn't work. What Mm -hmm. are we going to do next? And if my brain is, we're going to get back up, then I know what's in me and what I'm going to do. And I know what they're seeing and I'm okay with what they're seeing. Like, of course, they're seeing a jumbled mess. No problem. Yeah. What do you think? I absolutely agree. Yeah. When I really think of like, what was the one sentence? It was like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I don't need these other people in order for that to be true. I'm just going to figure it out. Like, it may look like a hot mess right now and that's okay. I may not be doing the best right now and that's okay. But I was just like, eventually, I knew that I would be successful because I wouldn't quit on myself. Yes. And I knew the only way I would fail is if I did. And so I was just like, for six years, I'm going to wake up every day and believe that I'm capable of this and that I'll figure it out. And I think to this day, I'm more proud of that than anything, than any like number. Obviously changing students' lives, that fills me up. But I'm like, I woke up every day for six years and believed in myself. Okay. I love this. All right. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you're moving along. You're charging 10 to 12 (laughs) an hour, (laughs) whatever. Like you're telling people to pick it, whatever it is. And then I think we met when you made investments into your business. You didn't make just like, small investments. You made 
Big girl investments. Big girl investments. <laughs> and you were how old when you started making the big girl investments? Let's see. I joined 2K for 2K when I was 19. Okay. And I joined a business mastermind when I was 20. Mm, okay. Yeah. So like three months after my 20th birthday. So good. So at 19, you joined a sales and marketing program, 2K for 2K. Yes. That's what that is. And that was 2K. Mm-hmm. I know 50 year olds who like don't want to invest 20K because yeah. it's like, I don't know if I can get my money back or whatever. Like, what was those decisions to do that? And not only do that, but turn around and then make a 25K decision. Because yeah. I want to know how much, where were you when you made the 2K decision? Where was your business financially? Yeah. You don't have to like exact numbers, but I'm sure you kind of know roundabout. Like, where were you? Yeah, I think I was at making like twenty. $50,000 a year. I definitely was like not consistently. I would maybe if a good month was like 1500 at the time okay. for me. Uh-huh. So I'd almost actually given up on my business the prior year in 2020. Okay. Because when 2020 hit, the SAT ACT market crashed. Mm-hmm. I came home. I got cheated on by my high school boyfriend at the time during my first year at Stanford. And I was super depressed. I remember I was losing thousands and thousands of dollars a month. And I can dip out quietly here. I was like, this could be like a cute little high school thing. And (laughs) like, I'm starting my Stanford career. And I could just say that like, I decided to like table that because now I'm going to Stanford. Wait a minute though. I want to slow down on this because... This moment happens for everybody. Every Everyone, yeah. Every like business person, every career person. There's always this point where your brain is very logical and it makes sense. Yes. Like we think when our brain fucks with us, because you know, I'm always saying our brain fucks with us. We think it's easily recognizable. Like it looks like a monster or something. No, yes. it sounds very rational and very much like this is what smart people do. Yes. It was like, Janae, mm-hmm. you're losing money. Right. <laughs> like you're right? losing money. This is too hard. You have all of these classes to focus on. You need to give your best effort to your Stanford classes, like this goddess to where we really wanted to be. Right? And you can let this go. Because it sounds so true. It's Because you're like, yeah, this does make sense. Like exactly. there's always that moment that your brain like makes total sense for why you can exit stage left or give up the dream. It just seems like the responsible thing to do. Yes, absolutely. And I just remember thinking to myself, like if I can make it through this, I can make it through anything. I mean, and I was down bad. Like I'd lost weight due to depression. I couldn't get out of bed before one. I was past fail in all of my Stanford classes because it was hard and we got had a pandemic going on. I was like, if I can make it through this, I can make it through anything. And I didn't give up on myself. And I didn't give up on myself because I was like, I came too far to do so. And I also knew I could still help people. Mm. I was like, I can help people. So that thought I can help people. Yeah. Pulled you. And 
I think that also gives credit to the 15-year-old that got the ball moving because you were like, I come too far. Like you've had too many failures, too many decisions, whatever, to stop. When if we try to make that decision and all our decisions from no movement, no action, just thinking about it all in our head, there's no momentum for that. When that time comes, it's like I've come too far. Like you hadn't done anything. It's still been in your head and conceptual. Yes. This is so important because my first entrepreneur class at Stanford, my freshman year fall, there was a professor who said something that changed my life. He said, like, it's just as hard to build a small business as a huge one. So you might as well do it anyways. If you ask someone who exits like a small to medium-sized business versus someone who went big all the way, it's equally as hard. And so I maybe got to a point where I was 17 or 18 where I was like, oh, I went through like too much to not make this a million dollar company at this point. I love resolve. (laughs) Like I've been through the fire, like at this point, we're going all the way. And so I think by the time I was 19, once I'd made it through 2020, I was there. And I knew that I wanted a change in myself and I needed, and this speaks to deeply rooted Mm -hmm. and why community is so important. I was like, I needed a community because up until this entire point, I'd just been doing this myself as a teen. And so I'd never had like fellow entrepreneurs to share space with and just Mm -hmm. like learn and grow from. And so I remember at the time, it was like my first day of spring quarter at Stanford when that webinar happened for the program. Mm -hmm. And I skipped class. I was like, I can watch the recording later. Mm -hmm. And I watched that and I used that Like I watched how the webinar occurred and Mm -hmm. I used that to sell in my own webinar. And I sold four spots of a $500 program and I made that 2K and -hmm. I invested in the program and then the rest is history. (laughs) It is so funny because so many of us don't want to do that. It's like, just put some shit out there. Like Mm -hmm. as black women, it's like, it has to be perfect. It has to be above reproach. And whenever we're like, it has to be above reproach because we don't want anybody talking about ourselves. And if we really realize the reason why is because we have like, I got to represent for the culture and everything else. No, you didn't have any of that. It's like, mm -mm. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to use this. I can copy this. Let me go do this. 500, make my 2K. Yeah. The best thing starting when I was so young taught me is how to be resourceful. Like I have so many resources available to me, but at the core, I'm still nitty gritty. I was like, I will make it happen. I will make it happen. So I made it happen. And then my second decision for investment was different where I knew the only way that I was going to be able to graduate and have the kind of company that I wanted was to go big on myself. And that was the moment where I had to commit to seeing something, well, my entire journey, but like where I really had to go all in on myself. And for everyone wondering, like, yeah, holy my money. (laughs) My parents were like, all right, you're going to do what you're going to do. And I remember thinking, I have to do this. Because a lot of people at the time had told me, I was a junior at the time, Mm -hmm. like just finish the second half of your college career. Once again, that logical 
right part of your brain. Like, yeah, just spend time with your friends. You don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. Like, just finish your classes. You can work a good job, right. a good, good job for your right. first years out of Stanford. Yeah. And then you can decide if you want to do this company and all the things. And I was like, I'm going to have to make sacrifices to go forward with this now. And I'm going to make those sacrifices so I can have the reality that I want in years. I want to stop you right there because what you said was so important for us to realize. One of the reasons why I like having this community for us as high achieving Black women is like, it gives us a community where we're allowed to think differently. Yes. Because when you're taking other people's thoughts, entrepreneurs and people who make different decisions think completely differently. differently. And it feels odd until you get in a community where everybody's thinking that way. And then it's like, wait a minute. And you start seeing the difference in the thoughts and you can start taking people's responses and seeing like, oh no, that's not what I want. But you have to get in communities where everybody's thinking differently and you start seeing how your thoughts are different. Yeah. I think that's so important. Yes. And this is also such a valuable tidbit. Like they always say like your success and your earning potential are summed up by the five people in your closest circle. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I was 15, 16, like uh, most of my friends were teens (laughs) and I would listen to podcasts as my fifth friend. Like I found the life coach school podcast when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I found other business podcasts when I was around 19, like at that point in time. And I knew I was going to have to be in a space for me as an entrepreneur with people who are thinking differently than me because I didn't have that in my other networks and a, a space that was going to support me in those big dreams. And so that was crucial for me. And so I think I that's love how... That. Like you're like that. resource. Like I don't have those in my immediate... Yeah. My parents are supportive, but were they giving you business advice? Like were no. you having family meetings? <laughs> like this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm charging. What do you think, dad and mom? No, they're like... What doing is their happening? Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They really kind of don't know how the mechanics of my business are. Like they kind of just check it every six months. And then I got to a point where they were like, what is happening? <laughs> and people always ask me, they're like, what do your parents think? Mm-hmm. You make multiple six figures. And I remember I sat down and I was like, so I'm going to make this investment. Right. This is how much money it is. Yeah. And here's why I'm going to do it. And that was that. And I had to have my own back because I knew there was no right decision. There was a decision I was going to make right. Right. But I want to stop you. Like the way we present things to our family, to our friends. And I think this is where we come up with like other people's opinions. But other people give opinions sometimes when we present it in uncertainty. But you present it in like, this is what I'm going to do. Like you presented yes. it in full authority. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. And it's like the strongest energy wins. And so your energy was winning, even with your parents. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm sure your dad was like 25, because the investment we're talking about is $25,000. Yes. Yeah. And what's fascinating is, yes, it was that same year. So June of that year, I had made an investment that was a fifth of that, maybe like 4,000 or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom was like, this is really expensive, Janae. 
<laughs> you need to be really careful. Like I remember she was like, you're kind of pushing it. Right. And because my energy was, I was really uncertain about that. I was uh-huh. like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can like do this or blah, blah, blah. And so what's crazy is when I was certain only like three, four months later, people reflected that energy back to me. Yes. Like, my friends were like, I couldn't even imagine that, but you got it. Yes. <laughs> right. And my family as well. And now like, because I'm so certain I'm going to see Brig in Dallas. <laughs> like I'm going to fly in for the weekend. Yeah. My mom's like, okay. So Next good. When you're back. <laughs> so, 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 so good. Right. Yeah. I remember also for me, like I had, I had some friends that didn't like, wasn't certain that I should do life coaching. It was like, what are you doing? And every time I was around them because I needed their validation, I was never certain. I was always kind of like, eh. But -hmm. when I totally detached from not even wanting them to change their opinion, like just allowing them to have their opinion and me allowing myself to have mine, eventually my energy around them changed and they came on board. But it was my certainty in me. And it was like, oh no, I don't need your validation. It was some of the best work I had to do, Mm -hmm. but it served me so well to like, oh, it's my energy. And we need that in sales too. Like when when I'm coaching people, I'm like, some of the main reasons why I think my program works, not because I teach sales concepts, I don't, but I do teach having your own back and having something in you and dealing with all the bullshit that we have as Black women that gets in the way of us being certain. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And so to continue the story, so I met you and it changed my life. And from then on, I got to a place in my business, I think at the beginning of 2022, where I had financial success, but I started to feel that like in my body as a Black woman, it Mm -hmm. felt unsafe. Yeah. And that was a point where I have that. Like, what did that yeah. I think that especially for entrepreneurs, but I would really say across the board, our ability to continue to grow is based on our capacity to feel seen. Yes. And for me, as soon as like all of the success was hitting for me and I was in more of a public eye. I was kind of seeing like, I feel uncomfortable here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like most days like, I wanted to go run and hide mm-hmm. or even like I could just start to see how I think this is what did it for me most. My next business level was not that I didn't know what to do, but there was something emotionally that was like holding me back from yes. doing it. And I could tell that it was influenced by how safe I felt being seen with all of those things that you teach in Deeply Rooted in terms of like, I was trying to people please, or I was like worried about other people's opinions, or I didn't feel safe putting myself out there and like what the next level would require me to do. And I was like, I need something that's my safe space. Like I need a community for me to just talk about these things. They're inherent to me as a black woman, a high achieving black woman in particular, because while I had phenomenal business 
spaces, I was like, I equally need something to take care of myself as I'm also doing the work in separate areas of my life academically and business. And so that is how I joined Deeply Rooted. So good. But like, I really want to point this out because you were like, I'm resourceful, but you're resourceful, you're gritty, you're going to get it done. But also you give yourself resources. Yes. Your resourcefulness is like, I need help. I I need support to do this. Not only did you continue to pay 25K for your business mastermind, but you joined Deeply Rooted. Yep. Like on top of that. (laughs) What the heck? Most people would be like either or. Yes. And I knew both would be necessary for creating the results that I want. Because I was like, as I continue to make more money, I'm also going to need like more support in my life. Yeah. And I think people miss that a lot. And I always was that person. I was like, I never want to be having a million dollar business and losing my mind. Yes. Right. I was always like, that can't be the case. And I'm so glad we went through my story because I think a lot of people would be okay, like you have this Stanford degree and this business and you can just do it on your own. And I think like that's the story that a lot of us have oftentimes as high achieving Black women. Like I've done this all by myself for so long. And I got to a place where I was like, A, I don't want to do that anymore. And I, it was also important for me to understand why I was having the things come up for me that I did yeah. and understanding our history as Black women and how that intersects with life coaching is that missing piece. Yes. And like, once I got that, I was like, okay, I need some special TLC. I was like, I need someone to be able to look at me and be like, this is why this is happening and affecting you so deeply. And this is what it stems back from. And this is how we can reroute it. Yes. I call it making sense of ourselves. Because I think every high achieving Black woman at some point does this thing where it's like, what's wrong with me? And we think it's, well, I'm not disciplined enough or I'm not having enough initiative or the God forbid one, I'm too comfortable where I am. Like all this stuff. And it's like, no, this is your lived experiences, what we call trauma, right? Like I try not to use big words because I want to keep it very practical, but like it is, it's our trauma of our lived experiences as Black women. And if you're a Black woman living in this world, you experience trauma and it's that trauma that's saying, oh, no, 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 no. And mm-hmm. our relationship with that and our ability to go back and like process that, make sense of it. Oh, this is why I'm not. Because if not, we keep buying strategy over strategy, planner after planner, coach yes. after coach. And it really is we need to slow down to do this work of addressing this with so much compassion. Yes, absolutely. And I want to be very clear. And I think this is important for people to hear. It's not that like the drama of investing in yourself won't come up. Right. Like it always comes up. Right. And so I remember I was like, okay, I think I want to do this, but I'd be spending a lot of money on myself. Like I, I kind of got to that place where I was like, this is a lot of money to spend on myself every single year. And a friend of mine was like, that's, the point. <laughs> and it's not spending on yourself. It's investing, investing in yourself. Yes. And that mindset shift is crucial, I think, in 
any investment we make in ourselves, it's like, it's not like you're spending money on yourself. Even from an economics perspective, this is my geeky Stanford brain. (laughs) When we buy something and it's not adding any value, that's when we're like spending money. That's when it's defined as an expense. Yes. Versus when something's adding reoccurring value still to us, that's an investment. And so I think you show up differently when you're thinking about your investments as an expense versus an investment, something that's there for you to get reoccurring value from. And so for each of those calls that I had every week, I would do the math on like how much it was worth and I would show up to get like twice that much. I was like, at what in this call is going to allow me to create that value in my life? And people sometimes will say like, well, how does life could do that? And I'm like, if you know you have something valuable to share with the world and you're sitting on that because you feel uncomfortable about what other people are going to say, that's costing you money every day. (laughs) Yes. And so I was at that point and I was like, yeah, I need something that's going to help me take care of myself at this level as I'm continuing to elevate as an entrepreneur. And like, not only just as an entrepreneur, I think like for any high achieving Black woman as you continue to elevate, you need that space where you're like not being mom or you're not being boss or you're not being Mm -hmm. another identity just where you can like be and exist. Right. I call it like the one place where you can go mask off Cause like we have, like as black women, we have our sororities, we have our things, like we have our friends and everything. But like when you're doing this work, there is a support, a unique support that you get to give yourself. Like, I know you're saying you need, and I don't think we need to do this work. I think it's a gift that we give ourselves, which is completely different. Like I'm giving myself this and this is a gift that I'm giving. Like I'm doing this for me and supporting myself along the way. And speaking to your point about community, it's like, I heard this quote, I don't know who said it, but it's like, we can go fast by ourselves, but we can go further with others. And I think that's what it is. It's like, there's a point that we can't go until we get support. We got to do this work. We just get to go further. And that's what I'm like about. I want us to put our brilliance out there. That's why I call it epic shit. And epic yes. lives because we get to a level and we're burnt out. And I know the reasons why. And I'm like, these are the reasons why we're stressed out, overwhelmed, and we can work on that. Yes, absolutely. The thing about community that I think is so important is that it normalizes what you just think is your problem or your thing is actually everyone's. It's what I tell my students all the time. Like, We also have community calls inside my program. And one of the things I see my students say is like, oh, I just thought I wasn't good enough or I just thought I was struggling with this. And in reality, this is something that's happening to students around the world. So it's not a problem with me. It's a problem with something I'm thinking or this is maybe just something that comes up naturally along the journey. And when we're at that space, there's so much more compassion for ourselves to move forward. And so I think for me, like seeing the things that I was, feeling inside reflected through other Black women in the group as well. I was like, oh, this is just my brain. There's nothing like going on with me. It's not like but this particular thing with me. I was like, this is just my brain. And this is 
my gift, I think understanding ourselves on a deeper level is the deepest form of self-care we can have. Like more than any bubble bath, I understand why I get nervous in public. I understand why, like my voice shakes when I raise my hand and here's how I can have compassion for myself with that moving forward. Like understanding yourself on that deep of a level to have and meet yourself where you're at every day is such a gift. Yeah, so good. And I think it's the reason why I say like my clients actually expedite this from one-on-one to group, like, I wanted to do one-on-one so I can get my coaching skills down, solid and everything. And when I went to group, I knew that my people would get the transformation faster because there's no way, like there's no denying that, oh, this is cultural, internalized Mm -hmm. bullshit that we all have. It's so clear. It's like when someone is talking and they're talking about their family and the da-da-da and When you look at the screen, because I always keep it on gallery view, like everybody's heads is nodding as opposed to in other containers, you have to explain yourself. Like there's no explanation needed. It's like there's this deep, you feel totally seen and understood and mattered. And I think that's what's been missing for us as Black women is when trauma happens, the most important thing is how you are met when you tell your story. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, it's like we're told our story of don't talk about it in our family. You're just overreacting. You're making a big deal out of it or toughen up or you're just being angry like in the corporate well. Right. Or there you go again. Right. And then yeah. finally, we have a container where someone is like, I feel you, sis. Yeah. Not like our friends would, like completely different because it's not only do I feel you, but this is the reason biologically, neurologically why you're doing it. And these are the tools and the skills you can use to rewire that. Yes. And I'll give a direct example of that from Deeply Rooted. So I'm an extrovert. I'm a Leo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And growing up was always this ball of energy. Mm -hmm. And I think not from my parents or my sister or anyone in my close network, but I somehow along the way picked up the messaging that I was too much. Mm. Right. And like, wait a minute, before we say anything else, if you're listening to this right now, please raise your hand. Keep one hand on the steering wheel because most of y'all are listening in your car. If you were told at some point or had the thought too much. Yes. Yes. I even remember I liked this guy in high school when I was, I think it was when I was 15, like right when I was starting my business for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was like a close friend of mine and I had admitted to him that I had a crush on him. He was a white man. And he was like, I would date you, but you're too much. He was like, if you would just quiet yourself a little bit more in our conversations and take up a little bit less space, like when we're in a group, like you're just so much. And I saw in that moment, like how there's this expectation for Black women for us to shrink ourselves. And like, thank goodness my mama raised me in some type of way where I was like, oh, heck no. (laughs) This is not not what we're going to do. I was like, I'm just too awesome for you. And so I had that, but like that messaging subliminally throughout your whole life, like by the time you're an adult, it stays with you. 
Yeah. And like so we, what get I, that. we get that messaging in so many ways. Like yes. self-control talk too much in school, right? Yes. Like she has no self-control. She talks too much, right? We get that messaging in church, like the submissive woman as if mm-hmm. it looks a certain way and like she's quiet, right? Yes. And like it's better to be on a roof than in a house with a nagging wife. Like yes. all those little subliminal things like I'm not arguing with what the Bible is saying. What I'm arguing is is the interpretation, right? Yes. And how it's interpreted to us is like, you're being too much and you need to like quiet that down a little bit. Yes. Absolutely. Whereas our men are like, if you see them on a sports field, like they're gassing them up. Yeah. I'm like, they ain't even done nothing yet. And like, you're the greatest. Can't nobody stop you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like for women, it's like, calm down. You're getting too exactly. much for yourself. Like just really seeing that and- when we're aware of it, that's one thing. But when we realize like some of that is the reason why we're not doing our epic shit and we have to tie that in. Yes. And so to give an example of that, I would find when I was now an adult and coaching spaces or mental health groups, I would kind of do this thing where I was like, well, I don't want to raise my hand and talk about like my particular thing because I don't want to like take up space from everyone else. And like everyone else feel like they like don't get value from what I'm going to say. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like take up too much time. That would be my thing. I'd be like, oh, I'll raise my hand, but I'll keep it short and sweet. Right. And there was one moment where I was in the middle of the launch where I got coaching and deeply rooted and we went through a full body thing. It probably took like 20 or 30 minutes of the call. And I, of course, there's a small voice in the back of my head. You're taking up so much time, like like all this stuff like that. And I opened my eyes and not only was everyone like physically holding space for me with their hands and just completely present in that moment with me, but everyone else was also like, that was so valuable for me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable. We're so grateful we could like be there in that moment to go through it with you. And like, that's when I was, my existence is not a detriment to anyone. Me taking up space is not a detriment to anyone, but I wouldn't have had that if it wasn't in a group. I can tell my therapist or like my one-on-one coach, all of my worries, but like that type of thing doesn't get healed unless I'm in space with others. And so And once I got that, I was like, you know what? Maybe there is that voice in the back of my head, but that voice doesn't match reality. And so I was able to like show up in so many different spaces differently because I'm like, I can take up space. And it's probably helpful for other people too. (laughs) Right? You start seeing like, wait a minute, that voice, I can start arguing with it. Yes. Like, which is one of the things I love teaching my clients to do is, I think as Black women, we've never been taught, we've never given ourselves permission because we never had permission to claim our authority. Everybody else gets to claim their authority except for the Black woman. It's like, no, you're being too much. You're getting too high for yourself. And it's like, no, we get to claim our authority. And one of the ways we do it is we claim our authority over our brain. That's some bullshit you're telling me right now. Yes. (laughs) Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of my biggest breakthroughs. So good. I remember that. And I do remember there's a couple of times in Deeply Rooted where I remember like the power of the community, but that was one of them is because I literally wanted to help you go through and process that emotion because we don't know how to do that. Like we've always, it is what it is, stuffed and kept going. It is what Mm -hmm. it is, but that's why we can only go so far. 
And in order to get to the next level, it can't be stuffing and keep going. It has to be allowing, processing, and understanding and compassion. Yes, absolutely. It has to be done in a group. It really does. Like this work, like the true healing is done with connection to others. Yes, absolutely. So So that was so good. So that's kind of been like my coaching journey, I feel like. So (laughs) good. Yeah, I think for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of yours is like dealing with the overwhelm, dealing with what's going on and like addressing that with, oh, I understand why I'm doing this. Like the skills that you had that worked for you to get to where you are right now, your winning strategy no longer is working for you. And it's like, detaching because like what we do is like that's the way it worked for me so we keep going back to like I'm gonna overwork I'm gonna keep such and such what do you think yeah I think that was something you said on the first webinar before deeply rooted that I think in that moment I was like I have to join because I get it which is what we've done to get to a place that society has defined for us as being safety whether it's the really good job or the really good school is not going to help us create what's next on a completely different level that's epic. And so for me, it was like everything that I'd done to like build this business and get to Stanford wasn't going to help me leave Stanford on an entrepreneurial journey and build my million dollar company. That was going to be a different skill set because the whole time before I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And also your community is like, yes, it's yes go get the good job and go to the good school and have the degree and that's your safety. And then I think when we are having a different conversation about entrepreneurship, that looks a lot different. And it goes against everything on a micro level in our bodies of what like we've been told safety means. Yes. And so I basically joined Deeply Rooted to make that decision and feel good about it Mm -hmm. and also have the support and like what this next level and journey would look like for me. And so what did you decide? I decided to pursue my business full time. (laughs) And I feel so good about that. Like I was saying, I shared yesterday on our Deeply Rooted call, I was like, my identity has landed. Yes. Like my identity as the full-time entrepreneur as an expert coach has landed. Like this is my career. This is just what I do. And I help students change their lives. And it's what I feel comfortable with now because I also know like I create my own safety. Like it's not a job or it's not a degree. And that is more valuable than I think anything I could have even imagined. So good. Absolutely. So good. So I think your goal last year or for this year was a hundred thousand. How much did you make? I made right under $250,000. sales. Right. I doubled my goal and then some, we coached on this yesterday, surpassed my goal by $150,000. Okay. Now you tell me, What part of doing the work in Deeply Rooted helped for that? Like, is there a connection? Yes, there's always a connection. I think most is trusting myself. Yes. Trusting myself and trusting my decision. I always like to say three of the most powerful thoughts for me are, I know how to make money in my business. 
I can do this Mm -hmm. and it's not about me, basically. Like I'm out here to help people. Mm -hmm. I got people to help. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> people always say to me, they're like, what are you going to do when you like one of your kids gets to sit in the Ivy? Like, how are you going to celebrate? I'm gonna be like, I'm going to go help more people. Right. Exactly. And so that drives me. But I think for me, I was at a point where I was like, I know that I know what I'm talking about. And I know that like, I need to help people, but there's something that's stopping me from getting out there. And I think understanding whether it was like how I was factoring in other people's opinions in terms of, oh, like that's going to create my results or that's going to create my safety versus knowing how to trust myself and see what's going to come up, like the drama that my brain's going to produce and like proceed anyways and have compassion for myself is huge. Yeah, And I'm so glad you asked that question because I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, only business coaching is what allows you to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's business coaching and taking care of yourself. Yes. <laughs> One of my close friends even told me this where she was like, I think the success that I had in my business, the explosive growth I had in my business was a direct result of growing my capacity to experience that. through life coaching and giving myself the gift of taking care of myself. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I literally created this niche because of my experience. Like as a Black woman in a mastermind, all my shit is coming up and I'm looking at people and I'm like, I'm not doing it, but I know I have the capacity. Not only do I have the capacity, but I'm looking at my other women of color friends and I'm like, what the hell is going on with us? And that's when I started unpacking like, oh, there's some shit that we get to unpack for us. And I wanted to make sense of me. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized it wasn't me and it was like, because if you had to ask me and probably ask you, I believe in myself. Yeah. Right? Like if you ask me, I believe in myself and I'm all that. And I'm such <laughs> like the head working hand on hip. But there is a difference in that. And I don't know if you can speak to it or not, but there's a difference in that in the work we do because it's on a different level. Yes. I would say everyone who is in our group believes in themselves. Like I always considered myself to be someone with high self-confidence and clearly, unless like I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I did in my life thus far. But I think it's like on a different level of the things that you're even experiencing, like as a high achieving Black woman, feeling like you're the only one in the room who is experiencing like the physical sensation in your body in a boardroom meeting or that thing in the back of your head that's like, oh, what are they going to think before you post something and you make an offer? Like all of those little mini things that I think we have to deal with that oftentimes aren't talked about in other spaces. I think that's the work. Yeah, totally. And it speaks to the reason why combining my medical background and everything to the stress level and why we suffer from chronic illness more than other people after we get to about 50. Because if we're doing this work and our load is more Mm -hmm. because we haven't unlearned, I love... Franchelle, someone else who was, who's been on a podcast, she was like, it's the unlearning that literally helps us with the stress and overwhelm. Because mainly what we're talking about is like, we're all stressed out. 
Like we're yes. doing shit, but we're stressed out and we can't work and we can't get ourselves to do anything and we don't want to stand ourselves. So we beat ourselves up, which is the opposite of what we need to do. And so putting it all together is like we release the load and we release the stress and we actually get to create more. And it sounds counterintuitive because we're like, no, how we get there is keep running. But no, mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, so I think that's such a good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're already high achieving. Yes. You know, you're confident, you know, you're smart, you know that you're capable of so much, Mm -hmm. but how are you getting there? Right. Like, how are you feeling in that? Like for me, I was feeling stressed. I was feeling overwhelmed. There was so much drama in my head every step of the way that I was taking. And it's like simplifying that to allow you to move to the next level. Yes. So good. Okay, so you did one round. I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Why did you sign up for a second round? I knew that I had a lot of life things that were going to happen for Mm -hmm. me this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm graduating. I am moving into my first apartment and starting my journey as a full-time entrepreneur. And so I knew like already that I was going to need support. Yeah. It's like, why would I not gift that to myself? And also, I think I said this in Dallas when we went to go have an in-person, deeply rooted meeting where I grew up in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina, St. Luke, Ami Zion Church. Uh-huh. So I grew up with this group of Black female elders. Like I had 20 aunties at church mm-hmm. who would pray over me and watch over me and hold space for me. And when I left to go to college, I lost that in a lot of different ways. And I feel like deeply rooted is that community for me, like where I have so many different women at different levels of life who are able to connect with me and we're able to talk about the same things, but also like that's my community. That's my space to feel seen and heard. And so even as I'm like going to next, business levels or like doing other things in life. I'm like, I still need that space. So that was it for me. Right. So you talked about one of our intimate gatherings, which we do have. I put those in there on purpose because it just builds a sense of community. You want to talk anything about it? What was it like for you? Because like we just gathered together, all of us, and we did a day. It's not a day where I teach a whole, whole bunch. I may start, but literally I just wanted a time where we can have breakthroughs and create those environments where we have. And I I think we witnessed quite a few breakthroughs that would not have happened any other way. Yes, absolutely. It was super fun. Briggs dogs are super cute. In case you're wondering, (laughs) they are adorable. And I think it is so special to be able to gather in community, in person with a group of Black women and just have a day to focus on us and have breakthroughs and then see yourself in other people's breakthroughs. Because the thing is, when you're getting coached just biologically, like a lot's going on. <laughs> like you're trying to hear like what your coach is saying. You may be like having a reaction because you're being seen by a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's even more powerful to see that breakthrough happen in someone else as you're able to witness as the observer. And like, you don't have all that going on and you're able to just like put that in your notes, but it completely relates to you. And it's like a special moment that like allows it to sink in even deeper. And so I think seeing that in person was on a completely different level. And it's also just like, I'm in a sorority, like Mm -hmm. I'm 
a member of the lovely Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. But even just having a separate space, a coaching space to gather with high achieving Black women who also are doing epic things in life and like have those conversations is just so essential for me. So good. All right. So how are you using this in your business with your students? Like, I know it transfers. Like, how are you a better coach? Are your students getting better results for this? I'm sure. Absolutely. So just because I can tell I'm a Black coach Mm -hmm. and also there's not many Black coaches in the college admissions space. Mm -hmm. I primarily work with students of color. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I see so often is top students along their high school journey or even in their college journey will hit something that I call the smart student wall as one of my concepts. Mm -hmm. And typically what that looks like is there's a point in time along their progression where they're being challenged. And whatever they were doing before to create the academic results they wanted is no longer working. (laughs) And oftentimes... I see a parallel here. (laughs) I see a parallel here. (laughs) And oftentimes for students of color in particular, that can be an even more painful experience because it's not just I went from getting A's to getting B's or C's or I can't get the SAT score I want. But it's also like I found safety in this identity of being the smart black girl Mm. or this identity of being the smart minority student. And it felt safe because it was a protection mechanism for me to not be overlooked or for the same stereotypes to not be applied to me. And so if I can't maintain that, who am I? Oh, my God. It's a complete identity crisis. And so I went through it my first year at Stanford. Right. And I coach students specifically who are targeting highly competitive schools from this place of authenticity of, I don't just want you to get in. I want you to be able to thrive when you get there. And in order to be able to thrive when you get there, you need the mindset skills to prepare for that. And so a lot of the times, like those are the conversations I'm having with students on a deeper level. And I have the vernacular for that because of the coaching work we talk about in Deeply Rooted, where I've had many conversations, not just with Black students, but it happens across all minority groups for students where it's like, okay, well, why do you want to be valedictorian so bad? Or why are we so attached to this grade in AP Chem? And when we really dive deeper into it, it's like, that's how I identify myself. And it feels safe for me. And in reality, what we have to do in that situation is detach your sense of self-worth from your achievement. Yes. Because that broadens your capacity for failure. Mm. For example... Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I mean, like, God, that's good. Say that one more time, please. When you separate your sense of self-worth from achievement, it broadens your capacity for failure. And that's the trick to getting over the smart student wall or achieving at a high level as a student in general. Because even if we just go into a classroom example, if you're in class, if you're at office hours and you're thinking, if I raise my hand and ask this question, everyone else around me is going to think that I don't have it together or I'm always the smart student, so I can't raise my hand, then you're just going to go on not getting that concept versus dropping into being like, this is who I am. And this is how I define myself. 
it's completely separate from my sense of achievement. So I don't understand what you're talking about. And I need to raise my hand and get clarification. Yes. That's how you learn. And so like that mindset oftentimes is a breakthrough for so many different students and equips them with the tools they need to be successful at a top 20 school in a highly competitive environment. Why is it that we need to increase our capacity to fail? Because that's the key. (laughs) People ask me like why I coach in college admissions. And I feel like the high school process when a student begins, whether they're a sophomore or a junior or even a senior, and they're going through the process of preparing for the SAT or ACT or like beginning to prepare for college or writing their essays, like the process in itself brings everything to the surface. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like we can coach on. That's going to hold you back maybe at this level or the next level. Mm-hmm. And I o- am always like, if I can teach students how to believe in themselves, see a goal that they have, and then take action towards that goal and deal with failure along the way and know how to process massive rejection and disappointment or whatever negative emotions come up along the way, they have the keys to the kingdom. Yes. Those are literally your crucial steps for creating massive success. It's how I've done it. It's how they'll do it in their next phase. It's how we can do it in any really career path you choose. And so I'm like, that's more important to me than mm-hmm. any quantitative stat or like whatever we're talking about because your capacity for failure determines really like if you take that next step, whether you know it's going to work or not, or if you're like, I don't have it planned out, so I'm going to stay right where I'm at. Right. Yeah. I think your capacity for failure, just listening to you, actually has a very important indicator of the quality of your life. Because if you can't fail or if you have failed, then the rest of your life you're telling yourself and you're living your life as a failure. Or if you have epic shit in your mind, then I have to have it all planned out before I do it because I don't want to fail. So it really has an influence on the quality of how you experience your life. And I think that is so important. Yes. And people still say to me, they'll be like, I want to go to Harvard. I want to go to Stanford. I want to go to UCLA. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) if you want to go to those schools, if you want to go to top 20 school, you got to know how to fail. Yes. I've failed more in the last four years of my Stanford education Mm -hmm. than like I had ever imagined. It's tough to like be in a situation and not work out and you have to regroup and keep moving forward. And in order to do that, you have to have that capacity for failure and also know that it means nothing about you. Exactly. And I think for us as Black women, we've been taught that that means something about us. We shouldn't have done it. This isn't the right thing for me. Like we make it mean like I'm on the wrong path. I shouldn't have done it. I did something wrong. I was being too much because we've been told. So we use that as evidence that I was as opposed to this is just the journey. Yes. And when we intertwine it with our personal value and our business value, it's like we keep trying to have to borrow from my business value to do Mm -hmm. the stuff that we need, the work we need to do on our own, on our own thing. And that's what we do in Deeply Rooted. So there's no need ever now once you go through Deeply Rooted to like borrow from your business to understand your worth, like we work on your worth. That's why you're able to do your epic shit because it's like, I'm going to love me no matter what. Yes. Like, you know that 
it's over. You're right. Game over. When you redefine that for yourself, it's like you're invincible. And that's how I got through. Like I coach people and I'll tell them, I'm like, I'm giving you the real stuff because I was in that position. That's why I love being a coach for young people as someone who I'm just a few years down the line because I'm able to coach from such a raw perspective from my direct experience of like, I know what it's like to go through your entire day. You take a shower, you get home, you eat, you have 90 minutes to work on your homework before bed and you don't feel like you want to do it. Yeah. And like, here's how you get through that. And so I think for my students in particular, I always say like sneak in the life coaching because it's like, it'll come up and I'll just ask them. I'm like, Oh, how's this going? And then I'll be like, I'm just going to coach you on some mindset for a second. And so throughout the entire process, like oftentimes what I hear from students is I not only have the academic life that I want, but I have the skills I need going into this next phase of young adulthood. And that means more to me than anything because I'm like, they're going to be successful. I almost like to think of like the myriad of students across the world, like all the different fields they're going to go into. I define impact through education and entrepreneurship. That's how I'm changing the world. But I'm like, if I can give them the life skills to change the world in their own each individual ways, and they're going in each of their fields, like that gives me chills. Yes. Right. And I feel the same way about the work we're doing in Deeply Rooted. I feel the exact same way. And like you saying that is like, yes, because like you're able to do that because of the work we did in Deeply Rooted. And you're not the only one, like there's several powerhouses in there that's doing the same thing. And I love how we're just multiplying all over. Like literally. And if you're a coach, uh-huh. you need a coach. Yes, <laughs> totally, right? That's so important. It makes you a I better just, coach. I just can't imagine any parent listening to this who has a high school student that doesn't want them in your program right now after just hearing that. Like literally how you teach them because you know, my kids still don't want me to coach them and they're 25, 29. <laughs> like my 29 year old is finally like, okay, ma. Okay. Right? Like, <laughs> You're 21. Like you let me coach you, but my kids, oh, hell no, right? Yeah. And so if you're a parent, I'm sorry, they just don't listen to you. (laughs) It's okay, right? I think parents can't afford not to set their kids up with this skill set. Absolutely. Because knowing that your shit is supposed to come up whenever we do epic shit, I want to go and get into Harvard. I want to go in these Ivy Leagues. I want my top one, whatever that school is, their stuff is supposed to come up. Yeah. And knowing that you're helping them have somebody that not only is equipped to help them do the things, but to deal with literally the skills of when shit comes up, because this is just the first or second time or third time, they're going to have a lifetime of big goals and shit coming up. And this is a priceless skill. Yes. That what you said is very true. (laughs) Teenagers think they know the best. Right. (laughs) And oftentimes I have parents say to me, which is so crucial. They're like, I want my relationship with my kid throughout this process. And I don't want to lose it. Yeah. And I also don't want to lose my own mind. Right. And so like, I'm so blessed to be able to be that third person in the mix where it's like, I can communicate with a student in their language because 
I get it. I understand what it's like to have been a teen. Okay, but y'all, let's just say, like, she did make straight A's this semester, okay? Like, literally, <laughs> she's talking, like, while building a $250,000 business at Stanford and made straight A's. Like, she is that example. Yes. And I can be like, and I get, like, you just want to be on TikTok or you just want to spend time with your girlfriend or boyfriend or, like, whatever after school. And I can communicate and I can be like, and here's why we're doing this now so that you have those things that you want. Like, yeah. let's knock everything out the way so that when you're spending time with your friends on Saturday, you're like, I don't have to worry about that quiz that I have to have coming up for on Monday. So. And so then they're like, oh, okay. And then I can also go to parents. I can be like, here's what they're struggling with. And here are our goals. Mm -hmm. And here's what we need to get them there. And yeah. being that liaison for both spaces. And that's so important for families because the college process is one of the hardest parts in a teenager's life, truly. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'm blessed to do the work that I do. I could talk about it for a million okay. years. <laughs> I know we're running and y'all, this is such a good interview. And yes, we're going to be over. So whatever, get over it. Do it in two sessions. I don't care. Like, I'm just going to stay here and ask. But I do want to cover this one thing because it was very apparent and deeply rooted. Some of the shit that we were sharing, you were like, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you were like, I didn't get that. And I love the fact that we have from 73 to 21 in the group. Yes. But they're all Black women. Like we're sharing the shedding of our internal biases. And you're the example of some of the shedding that has happened in generations, like the 73-year-old has different, right? And so there's some things that you're like, I don't have that problem yeah, <laughs> at all. And I love that, especially when it comes to money. Like your money thoughts are completely different than most of us in the group. Mm -hmm. And I, I say me too, because I'm like, oh, I don't think that, right? Tell me how you've navigated it and what have you seen? Like, I would just be curious we didn't prepare for this or whatever, but I know there's some things that we as older black women, you're like, I don't have that, but yet you're still there and you're still getting stuff out of it and you're making it valuable to you. Like, what do you want to say to that? I think you're absolutely right. So I think that there are differences in generations. And so my perspective, I see like my thoughts are different. Mm -hmm. And I remember you told me, you're like, you need to share those thoughts. Because like all of us are trying to also see like what thoughts is she thinking? And I, I think for myself, like growing up, like I think I shared in the group, like I was a kid when the Obama administration was elected. I grew up with Black people in office for most of my teen adolescent years. And I definitely think that has had an impact on the way that I think and also, like, from my family's perspective, it was always, like, we can do anything. My dad would always tell me, like, sometimes I'd be, like, oh, I'm not, like, a coder. I'm great at business stuff, but, like, I don't know if I'm, like, going to be in computer science or, like, I would say, like, these can't things about myself. Mm -hmm. And he would stop me and he'd be, like, never doubt yourself because mm -hmm. as a Black woman, there's plenty of people that are going to do that for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think whether it's like money or success potential, I'm always just like, why not? Why not me? But I also learned that thought from you. Right? Yes. Why not me? 
Like that, I had to work on that one because my brain is always like, you're being too much, something to leave it for. Even as a Black woman, like being successful, I see this with us too, especially in my generation. It's like, you have enough, like there's a zero sum, like leave some for other people as if me growing bigger is taken from other people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm always like, but why not me? I literally have to create abundance with my brain because we're always like, well, there's already one. There's already two. Nope, there's room for. They get to get a hundred. We get to have a hundred. Like, yes, totally four. There's enough room for all of us. Yes. One of the things that I think on money, when we were talking in Dallas that I shared that I think there was a moment where everyone else in the room was like, these youngins got something that we think about. (laughs) And I love it because it literally was, it's like, there was a, been a couple of moments where we have called, oh, it's the younger generation teaching us and it's us teaching. Like there is such a reciprocal yeah. of it, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it was on the discussion of money. Like I've always viewed money as being neutral mm. where I think there can be messaging that like if I make all this money and I even had this when I was 16. Like I used to imagine like what I would be like when I had a million dollar business. And I used to imagine I'd be like detached or I wouldn't have as much time with my family or friends or I'd always be busy or I'd somehow like my morality would change. And I think that held me back for a really long time. And now that I have more resources, I'm like, it's actually the exact opposite. Oh. I think finances are neutral, like money's neutral. It amplifies who you are at your core. So if you're a great person with more money, you have resources to do more great things. And so I think somewhere along the way, I just developed the mindset, like black women cannot have enough. (laughs) Us being wealthy, successful Black woman is so important, not just to be an example of what's possible, but literally to do our good in the world. It is crucial that our people are well-resourced. And when we're able to step into that, then we're able to say like, here are all the wonderful things that we can do, in particular, looking out for our community. And so for me, I was just like, why wouldn't I want to be rich and help a bunch of people? Because I know that I'm going to steward over my money with grace and service for my community. Those are my thoughts. I love it. But I love (laughs) the fact that you were like, at 15, I was dreaming of being a millionaire. (laughs) And I'm like, that's the difference. Because at 15, I was dreaming of being a nurse. Yeah. I was dreaming of like getting the education or airline stores. I wasn't dreaming about being a business woman. I yeah. Being a million dollar business woman. No, My- that's so funny. Because like when I think about, I remember, I actually think we were in Belk or something. Mm-hmm. And I will just, I have expensive taste. Yeah. <laughs> like I was always a kid where like when we would be looking at shoes, I would somehow navigate towards the one that was more expensive. Mm-hmm. And I think my mom sat me down at one point and she said to me, she was like, you like really nice things and that's okay. <laughs> You're just going to need to make a lot of money when you grow up. Yeah. But the simplicity and beauty in that statement, it, it wasn't shaming me for like wanting nice things. She was just like, this is just what you need to do. And this is what you're going to be able to do. And I was like, okay. So I was just like, all right, that's just what the career I need to have. And so because of that, I think when I was young, I was always just like, I'm going to be highly successful when I grow up. That's a done deal. 
And so, yeah, I think now when I say those things out loud, I'm just like, they're facts for me, but I'm recognizing there's a difference in thoughts oftentimes. Yeah. I just love it. And I love you as the example. And I would just want you to continue to do your work. And I can just see the ripple effect of these women of color, the students of color that are going and getting these degrees. And because they worked with you, the impact that they're going to have. Yes. I just see the ripple effect of all of it. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward, like we're going to spend all next year together. Yes, we are. 2023 is going to be great. Amazing. And I think it's the best gift we can give ourselves is to be well-resourced. Yes. To give ourselves that and to like really understand our nervous system, our reactions, our triggers. Like you said, self-care is not a bubble bath, but true self-intimacy and to understand ourselves so that we can love ourselves and support ourselves. Yes, absolutely. So well said. Thank you so much. Tell them how to get in contact with you. You can find me at my website, www.janaetutoring.com. My name's spelled J-A-N-A-E, tutoring.com. And you can also find me at the same Instagram handle, Janae Tutoring, or on Facebook as well. I love it. Okay, parents, listening, or aunties, friends, all of (laughs) y'all, we need to be blowing up her business If she was available, like my kids did Kumon, I spent thousands of dollars on Kumon, $800, $1,000 a month on Kumon because I had three kids. And then I had a private SAT coach come to the house Mm -hmm. for my kids. So like, listen, this isn't crazy stuff. This is what we do. But imagine doing it with someone that teaches them the skills that Janae is teaching them, priceless. And for them to have someone who looks like them teaching, which to me is what keeps me going through and through. Like if I can be a young woman of color teaching this to other students of color, let's go. And none of those things that I talked about, did my kids experience someone that looked like them Mm -hmm. at all? And I think it would have made a huge difference. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I'm the proud auntie. (laughs) <laughs> and my I'll proud see, auntie <laughs> I know I'll see you in Miami for our next yes. person yes. Well, until then I'll see you um, January 1st of January when we start back up again all right yes. guys for those of you who want deeply rooted brickjohnson.com forward slash group get on a wait list if it's not already open talk to you later bye Did you enjoy this podcast where I have a personal invitation? I want to spend time with you, coach you, talk about the issues that are affecting you. We do this in a community we call the Melanin Hour, created just for us high-achieving Black women. You can register at brickjohnson.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, Deeply Rooted is where we put all this shit together. We immerse ourselves And we master this. Six months, you, me, and a bunch of women that look like you and got a little melanin in them. (laughs) That's deeply rooted. You can register for the wait list at brigjohnson.com forward slash group. Hope to see you there. Bye.